Do you do you remember this band, Josh? Well, I I'm cheating because I'm looking at the YouTube video of it. I wouldn't have yeah. I, I would not have gotten the name Deep of the voice. artist right. I think that they were uh I think they were the ultimate one hit wonders. But I also think it's one of the first like concerts I ever went to. <laughs> really? Whenever whenever I was in college, there was like a club on 18th in Boston. And I saw Blue October there too where good band. Great. It was a great show. And it's like, it's a club. It's like a normal bar. And then all of a sudden it's like, ladies and gentlemen, coming to the stage. And it's like, Deep Blue something. It's like, huh, I didn't know there was going to be a concert here tonight. What year did you say this was? I want to say it was like 1995. Does that seem right? So Blue October was around back then? Oh, the Blue October concert was 2000. Okay, so it would have been it would have been right. further along. Okay, that right, makes right, sense. Right. The Deep Blue something was in the mid nineties. The block and the Blocktober one was wild. I mean, it was like a party. I was like, this is awesome. Those dudes were great. But yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Was it uh Boston's? No, I don't think it was Boston's, Robbie. I think it was like across the street. Tulsa party goers remind me of what this place was. I have no idea. Welcome into the final hour of the Plank Show. We are on the road at Caven's Group, Caven's Emergency Response Group. We are in mold season. Be wary. Be mold aware. And Caven's can help you also. It's water season. Pipes will start bursting unless you take care of it. 24-7, 365 emergency services at Caven's Group. Are you ready to roll through the top five stories of the day, Josh? I'm just about ready to roll, yes, through the top five stories of the day. And at- uh, let's see here. It's up to you. We can go whenever you want. I'm ready. Okay. Top five stories today brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. I'm kind of, I'm laughing because you sent me down a, uh, a deep blue something hole here real quick. And the 1995 song Breakfast at Tiffany's. Reached number five on the U.S. charts. Peaked at number one in the U.K., Josh. Huh. Huh? The next highest rated ranked single they ever had was some song called Halo in 1996, which reached 102. 102 on the U.S. charts. I don't know that I've ever heard that song. I have not either. All right, Newcastle Casino. I-44, exit 107, online at newcastlecasino.com. You know it by now, 14 table games, real rewards online. Well, you can sign up right now at newcastlecasino.com. Newcastle Casino, top five stories today. Big story, number five. Number five. All right, so because there's so much going on, Josh, We've doubled up some of these numbers, all right? So big story number five is split. First, last night for the Oklahoma City Thunder, looked like things were going well. They were up by 100 points in the first half, and then the bottom fell out. Two clutch free throws where you brick two free throws the last possession. Now McCollum right wing, take a three. Buried it, nothing but net, Christian James McCollum. Huge shot. 
I kind of like that. You know, instead of just going CJ, Christian, James, McCullough. Um, I'm not going to lie. I kind of turned this off for a little bit when they were up 22 and I started watching a little more uh, baseball and went all in, and then the bottom fell out. 110-106, the Thunder lose. NBA I was, mistake. I was right there with you. Were you? <laughs> I, I would have thought they won the game until you just said otherwise. The Thunder won the game. Josh, the Thunder won the game. No, no, no. Did you watch? The Thunder won the game. Uh, Warriors Thunder Friday night, which is part of the in-season tournament group play, which I'm not going to lie. I thought I had figured out. I thought I understood it all. And then all of a sudden they started promoting in-season group play, and I was like, I don't What? Yeah. So, so. I'm sure it's very simple, and all I need is a dry erase board, and I'll be good to go. But, yeah, that was uh, that'll be good on Friday night whenever the Warriors come to OKC. Also, though, a big story number five, Josh, was college football tonight. You get what I think might be one of the better group of games. Now, they might not be the six best teams we've seen play on a Thursday night, but – you get TCU at Texas Tech, which is fascinating because here is the preseason. They're going to be ranked, and they're going to be a problem. Texas Tech Red Raiders limping into a matchup against the uh, very disappointing TCU Horn Frogs. Both are 2-3 and three in conference play. 2-3, and three, Josh. Not good. Wake Forest is just 1-4 and four in ACC play. They take on Duke tonight, and then you get South Alabama and Troy. South Alabama, since beating Oklahoma State, it's not as if it's taken off like a rocket ship for them. 4-4, four and 2-2 four, two and two in league play. Last night, last night, you had two games. You had Bowling Green beat Ball State, and you had Akron beat Kent State. Kent State falls to 1-8. and eight. So, to big story number four. Number four. We piled on a lot here in big story number four as well, too, but this one's a little bit easier because it is, it is all Oklahoma Sooner softball, um, last and and Oklahoma Sooner sports, I guess I should say. Last night in the battle series, um, I always have a, a hard time and be like, "Hey, it was a good night for the Sooners," because it it literally they're all they're all squaring off against each other. Um, Hannah Core is absolutely on fire right now. She was named one of the stars, hit a home run last night, seven runs batted in as Team 2 took Game 4 of the Battle Series on Wednesday night in Norman at Kinsey, Riley, and Alina Torres produced 12 runs on 13 hits and outscored Team 1 by five runs. How about that? Dude, Hannah Core looking the part. 12 to 7 to 2. Hannah Core, seven runs batted in last night. Kelly Maxwell looked great. Four and two thirds hit or four and two thirds were no four innings of hitless softball. Struck out six and allowed two unearned runs. Core, Maxwell, and Cassidy Pickering were named the game MVPs. The fifth and final game of the battle series will be next Thursday. Thursday. Uh, Josh, I'm not going to lie to you. The uh, 
the scrimmage kind of went under the radar last night for the OU men's basketball team. Kind of went a little under the radar last night. But from what Toby Rowland said in his quick little uh, synopsis of what he saw last night, it looks as if it's going to be a much, much more athletic team in 2023-2024. Here was the quick little tweet storm that T-Row threw out last night. The athleticism difference between last year's men's team and this year's is shocking. John uh, John Hughley moves better as a big man than I anticipated. I really like Latre Darthard, a.k.a. Darth Vader, beta testing that one. Uh, Jalen Moore, the Georgia Tech transfer, physical and smooth at six foot seven, might be their best all-around player. Rivaldo Soares, the Oregon transfer, was a better shooter than I expected, while freshman Caden Cooper and Jacob Cole, both long, athletic, and bouncy. So good things from T-Row on the OU men's basketball team last night. Good. Uh, happy to hear that. That's been sort of the buzz from Coach Moser and company is they think they're more athletic than they've been, which, look, uh, that's that's a nice place to start, to, to get a little bit more athletic uh, in what is the nation's premier conference. So I'm excited for this season to get rolling. I can't wait to hopefully watch an improved product. Central Michigan next Monday night inside the Lloyd Noble Center, the season opener at 7 o'clock. So that not an exhibition matchup like the women's team had. They just had that inner squad, and boom, they're going at it on Wednesday night. Now, a couple of other Oklahoma Sooner notes, Josh, because there's a few other things going on. Congratulations to our buddy Bud Haber, named the 2023 Orange Bowl Hall of Fame class. The volleyball team dropped a tough one last night to Baylor, three sets to two. And it's award season. Danny Stutzman's a semifinalist for the Lombardi Award, while Nick Anderson and Peyton Bowen have been named semifinalists for the Sean Alexander Award. Does everyone have an award named after them now? The Sean Alexander Award? I'm here for it. Um, basically, the Sean Alexander Award is one of those that that rewards players that didn't start this season but came along. So that's that's the Sean Alexander Award. Previous winners included Trevor Lawrence, Kenneth Gainwell, Will Anderson Jr., and Brock Bowers. Though I find it hard to believe that Brock Bowers wasn't a starter or a uh, contributor early in the season. That's just me. All right, um, big story number three. Number three. I put Bobby Knight and remembering him solo here because there were just so many amazing moments for the Hall of Fame coach who passed away at 83. 42 years as a head coach. He's sixth all-time in men's D1 history with 902 wins. And, of course, he had this doozy. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. Bobby Knight is like, he is royalty still in Indiana. 
royalty. Boy, they played hard, man. They played hard. Uh, any Anything more to add on Bobby Knight? Like we said, some can get mad when I say this. It's how I feel. I think it's a little bit of a, you know, there's a few yeah buts in his legacy. Absolutely. There's some concerning actions, but he was a disciplinarian. That's what he did. Legend. Legend of basketball. Obviously, I mean, when you get relieved of your duties at Indiana the way that he did, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a perfect story for Bob no. Knight. But I I think uh much much more on the positive than the negative side. For me. Uh, you know, I, I hard nosed disciplinarian took it too far, sure. But uh the the quotables and the winning he, he is a legendary basketball figure. And I kind of – look, not saying it's perfect. Obviously, it wasn't. But for me, the, the good I do, I do think outweighs the bad. And I like, I like a little bit of color. I like a little bit of character. Me too. Me too. Uh, RIP, Bobby Knight. Big story number two. Number two. The Rangers got it going late after being no hit. Through the first five innings, Corey Seager goes the opposite way to give him their first hit, and then they blew it open late. The 0-1. Simeon lines one deep to left center field. That ball is way back, and that ball is history. A two-run homer for Marcus Simeon. It's 5-0 Rangers in the ninth. A blistering line drive that never came down in left center field. Marcus with five RBIs yesterday, won the day before, coming alive for the Rangers at just the right time. This would be that moment where that stupid Sooner fan would tweet at that guy and be like, it's not RBIs. It's not RBIs. How dare you? Do they say runs batted ins? (laughs) And then there was this. Two balls, two strikes. Spores kicks and fires. He struck him out looking. It's over. It's over. The Rangers have won the World Series. Ranger fans, you're not dreaming. The Rangers are the World Series champions. After 52 years in Texas, 63 years of the franchise, the wait is over. And the celebration has begun. Good, great, great call. Great championship call. Yeah. That's awesome. Very good. The wait is over. Congratulations. Um, Thoughts on the baseball season as a whole? Uh, isn't Monday our, our Major League Baseball recap show where we just go through every single week and all the big games? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think okay. that's on the, the schedule for us. <laughs> Congratulations to Ranger fans, which gets us to big story number one. I thought it was a good season, by the way. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right, so as we sit here at 11-18 on a Thursday, there is so much that we still need to get to involving Bedlam. But the one thing we don't know might be the most important question. From your sources, Josh, and the people that you've talked to, have you heard any updates on Tawi Walker or Danny Stutzman? Not really. Uh, hopefully, hopefully you get both back to uh, basically full strength. What 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 are you hearing? I am hearing that it is much 
more likely that we would see Stutzman over Walker. Okay. But I also would say if there were NFL designations, what is it, probable, doubtful, and out? Is that what we are in the NFL right now with their injury reports? That both would be listed as doubtful. And I know that we're not at that point to where we have injury designations yet. But that's just the... That's just the reality. Actually, I don't even think they say probable anymore, right? I don't even think they say that. I just think they say doubtful or out in the NFL, right? I think they've changed that. So I would say doubtful for both. And I don't, I don't think that we'll get a true update until pregame. Unless someone has to undergo surgery that we don't know about. But I would say right now doubtful which again shines a light on a bunch of guys that as fans we want to see more of right we want to see more of kip lewis and kobe mckenzie and hopefully canick to play better than he did early on saturday we want to see more of gavin sawchuck and javante barnes and for those of you that say well where's smothers or where's hicks well if if how we really can't go then yeah they're probably gonna have to dress one of those freshmen right because Marcus Major didn't play last week either, Josh. So you're really getting thin at that position if Walker's out. Yeah. Not uh, not great uh, on the, the injury front there. Not not having Stutzman is a substantial loss. And the, the running game, that's, that's not terrific either. So I would say doubtful for both. But I really, I'm not going to lie to you, for as much as I'm sure people have been asking about it, I, I really haven't heard too terribly much, Josh. I'm not saying that they've closed cards or anything of that nature. But I just, I don't get the sense that we've heard too terribly much positive or negative either way, except just kind of where Brent Venables left it and a few people that might say some things from what they've seen at practice. Yeah. Well, uh, Danny Stutzman not having him in, in this game where Ollie Gordon trying to slow him down is the biggest key to victory feels substantial. I mean, that's that's going to be, hey, it's go time, right, for, for others. Time for uh, young players to step up and try and morph into stars in this game. Mm. All right, uh, quick break, quick break. When we come back, let's hit the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. By the way, Big John from Texas writes, Blake, you are out of your mind. Big story number one is will Avery Hodge be the starting shortstop for OU? See, when I saw Big John from Texas, I thought that would be someone that might be uh, yelling at me for not making the Rangers as the number one overall pick. But congratula- Nick, congratulations on your Rangers winning the World Series. I'll add you to the list. And Justin and Quita, you are right. No, you're wrong. The Mercury Lounge is not where I saw them. My buddy did own the Mercury Lounge for a while, but no, no, no. It wasn't at the Mercury Lounge. Mercury Lounge was a cool bar, Josh. Had a nice little feng shui about it. Now, obviously, I don't think it's there anymore. I don't even know what's still there at 18th and Boston anymore. But that was a place to be. Place to be. All right, quick break. We'll come back, hit your text next on The Ref. Have you noticed, Josh, that Michigan fans are starting to push back on all of the 
sign-stealing stuff a lot. Yeah, they've been pushing back from day one on the sign-stealing stuff. So there is – oh, by the way, for True Sooner, I did look um, – 213 yards and two touchdowns for Mike Gaddis in the 88 clash. Three times Gaddis faced the Cowboys. He went over 200-plus yards. 690 yards for Mike Gaddis in his career on the ground against Oklahoma State. Not bad, right? So on the day whenever Barry Sanders ran for 215 and two scores, it was Gaddis who had the big day. So that was good on our little history lesson from Bedlam earlier. But there's a new report from Pete Thamel. And so now, now Michigan fans are, well, this is only Pete Thamel reporting this. Who's feeding him all the information? Where is all this coming from? A report today says that a vast majority of Big Ten coaches expressed their frustration with the ongoing signal investigation. The call, which took 90 minutes, including nearly an hour, without Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh, who hung up after the regularly scheduled Big Ten business to allow the conference's coaches to speak freely. According to five sources familiar with the car call, a chorus of voice voices, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I guess a lot of people. Chorus. <laughs> uh, encourage Tony Petiti to take action against Michigan. The call was described as both intense and emotional. Who the hell's getting emotional on a call like this? What are we what are we doing? It cost us the win. Collectively, the coaches want the Big Ten to act right now. What are we waiting on? We know what happened. The Big Ten scheduled a call with athletic directors and Petiti for this afternoon. Emotional. What? I mean, what are they going to do? Nothing. In five years from now, we'll hear about something. Nothing. Uh, meanwhile, you want a few uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line texts? I would love that, yes. Okay, 405-651-3439. Old Sooner writes, who's going to call the on-field plays with Stutzman now? Well, I mean, you got to remember, it's it's not like the NFL. And maybe this is something where we could use a little bit more of a Teddy in-depth explanation. Um, but when they get to, everyone sees the, sees the signal from the sidelines, and they know what's called from the sidelines – and on Saturday against Kansas, I saw Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman really stepping up in that role. So, you know, it's not like there is a green dot in college. Nobody has a speaker in their headphones where you need. But, you know, you would think it would fall, A, on the person that's in at Danny's position. But also, Jaron Kanick is a guy that's been out there quite a bit, right? So maybe it's, you know, maybe it's more off the sophomore Kanick. But maybe it is, Josh, maybe you just see more from those veteran guys that are out there in Lawrence and and Bowman. Which, by the way, there's one injury that could have a major impact on this game tomorrow, Saturday, excuse me, that we haven't talked about too much, and that is, all right, do we see Peyton Bowen back to 100%? Because I don't know about you, Josh, I know he doesn't play, he hasn't played a ton of snaps, 
But I think come Saturday, he's the kind of guy that's made big plays in big moments, and I think he can be a guy that can be a difference maker on Saturday, especially with Reggie Pearson out the first half. Well, what do you think? I mean, is he is he going to be back? Know. I don't know. He hasn't don't uh, know. he hadn't played much the last what month or so. Injured his ankle the day before the UCF game. So that would be two weeks. I don't know if it's a high ankle sprain or not. But he ended up making a big play in the UCF game. We just didn't see him very much in Kansas. Uh, Sooner CB, right? Plank, really? Run the ball? No way if we have a run-heavy game plan. We lose. DG needs to be throwing some lasers all over the Cowboys' subpar defense. Oh, I, I agree. Hey, here's the thing. All of you who have now, <laughs> thanks to Teddy, everyone hates the RPO. It might be the most effective tool against Oklahoma State. Because their safeties and backers, they don't think about it. When they read, run, they are coming. And let's remember, this is a defense that Kansas gashed for 10 yards per play but they turned it over twice, and it cost him the game. So I know it's not necessarily <laughs> I, I, people were laughing, and I agree that Oklahoma was play-actioning during the final drive against Kansas. It's like you really think they're going to bite on the run. But I think, I think play-action can play a major role to help the Sooners out on Saturday. But what do you got to do, Josh, in order to make sure play-action works? Got to run the football. No one's going to respect the play action if you can't run the football. But they've got dudes you can beat deep. They do not. They leave their dudes on an island, and they say, throw it over our head. And Oklahoma wasn't able to do that last week against Kansas, who did the same thing. And you know you're going to got to get receiver separation, got to put the ball on point. Weather's going to be nice. It's going to be a lot of wind. But to me, Josh Helmer, I, I think they've got a chance to get the deep ball going Saturday. Should be able to. I mean, everything statistically says they can, and I think the skill position guys for Oklahoma give you the feeling that, yeah, why why, why wouldn't you be able to go attack uh, Oklahoma State? We were talking about this yesterday. Oklahoma State in Big 12 play is 12th defending the pass. So, yeah, th- there's going to be plays out there to be made. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Sean writes, I believe the run game isn't personnel. It's the RPO system. I don't think it helps the O-line or the backs. Also, it could all be solved by playing a fullback, which strangely, OU has to relearn every three to four years. Frisco Sooner. You know, guys, I for one think the offensive line has a lot to do with the lack of run game. But I also think a lot of it has to do with the running backs. If we are if we're all going to play the blame game and throw stones at the coaches, in my opinion, the running back room is the worst I've seen at OU in about twenty years. Barnes looks great coming off the bus, but to me, it's just that. A jag, just a guy, by the way. I, for one, love DeMarco Murray, but if we are throwing stones, you have to question the development. My favorite line that Brent Venables used, and he he brings it up, he brought up quite a bit last year, which is, you know, when you see a guy do something on the field, I mean, they've been coached it in some way, shape, or form. And so whatever they're doing on the field, they've been, you know, it's coaching's got to be better to make sure they don't make that mistakes. From Brett and Edmund, 
who makes the decision on which running back goes in on a series during the game? Is that DeMarco's call or Jeff's call? My understanding is it's, it's DeMarco Murray's call. But Jeff Levy might say, I'm theorizing here, Josh, hey, we're going to, we got this play called and in practice, you know, saw Chuck ran it. Well, let's use Gavin here. It wouldn't surprise me. But I, I'm of the understanding, Josh, unless you've heard anything different, that it's it's DeMarco and Emmett Jones and Bill Beanbow who make the decision as to who's out with their position groups. It sounds that way. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to get input from the head coach to some degree, but uh, I don't know that Brent Venables is super involved in trying to second-guess those guys a bunch. No. Um, I, I talked about this earlier. And it's it's really it's a good counterpoint. I don't believe coaches put guys in that aren't their best players. I just I cannot that are best equipped to go out and have success. I just I can't. When everyone's like they're not playing the best players, I'm like, do you think coaches want to lose? But I thought there were two really good thoughts on that off the text line. First, uh, a frozen sooner, frozen sooner writes. Remember, coaches are just like everyone else. Sometimes you do not see the forest through the trees, and somebody needs to remind you or slap you in the head. Now, again, you watch a lot of film as a coach. A lot of film. We watch a game, and we're like, but I just saw him do this, and I think he's great, and look how he looks. Josh, these coaches are watching hours and hours and hours of film, and they put in hours and hours and hours of practice time. So, I don't think anyone needs to be slapped in the head. But if you're like, can't see the forest through the trees, I would push back on that and say, they know a hell of a lot more about it than anyone else. And sure, you might say they get caught up in their ways and their feels and things of that nature, but they also want to win. This from the 4L5. I agree with you that we want to win. I think coaches, they'll get locked in there if you're supposed to hit the age gap with no matter what, win. I like the idea of flexibility. Back in 1985, uh, Eric Mitchell went right, and it was close, so he reversed, went 85 yards for a touchdown. The other way, he never saw uh, – hold on a second. My man tried to voice text, and it's like putting periods in. <laughs> but it's not putting periods in. It's saying periods, so it threw me off. Eric Mitchell went right, and it was close, so he reversed and went 85 yards for a touchdown the other way. He never saw the field again. So I think some coaches are so stuck in exactly what to do, exactly where to go, they think of flexibility, which is not doing what you're told. I don't think that's the case here. I don't think that it's the only not doing what you're told is, you know, they want you to go out and be creative with things, right? But in not doing what you're told would be not being where you're supposed to be when you're called to come in the game, missing a block, things of those nature. I don't think anyone's sitting on the bench after breaking an 85-yard run because they went in an opposite direction. I think that would be a, hey, good job. Next time, remember, it's there. And Dana Madison writes, in regards to the defensive line, I think most of it last week was the mobile quarterback. BV even mentioned it in so many ways. I think the D-line was thinking too much last week. They didn't have their hair on fire and playing loose. With Bowman and Ollie, I think our D-line will play very aggressive and you will see vast improvement. You buying that from Dan and Madison, Josh? 
I hope so. I, I hope there's <laughs> something to it that uh, the mobility was uh, one of the reasons they weren't very good a week ago. So that that unit they've got to be uh, got to be much improved. The the running back thing with Demarco. I mean, are we not going to give him credit for developing Eric Gray? No, sorry, Josh. That doesn't matter because he was terrible too. Kennedy I mean, Brooks, I can understand. Okay, maybe you say a lot of the development came before him, but he had a great season with Demarco as the running backs coach a couple of years ago too. I've never like understood that. It's just the the hate for Eric Gray and things like that that's still kind of out there. Do you not think this team would be better in the run game right now if Eric Gray was back there for another year? Just thought. Just question. Could you imagine Gray and Tawi? A pretty good one-two punch, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be really nice. No, he's terrible. He's no good. The wind knocked him down, Josh. He probably wouldn't run it into uh, his offensive guard and offensive tackle, we hope. All right. uh, I got more text to get to. I'm not going to get bogged down. We got our Primrose Funeral Services final thoughts, too, around the corner. So let's get a break from Cavens. More of the text next right here on The Ref. (laughs) All right. Um, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. It's kind of funny. I was going back over some of the uh, earlier texts to the show. And um, it, it's it's weird how we've, he, we ride the wave throughout the day, right, Josh? Early on, it'll be oh, a few memories like uh, Loco, Ohio, our buddy Brian checked in. He said, my favorite memory was when my brain was good enough to fully function uh letter rip in 2003 i i i love that i love that looking back to the first hour of the show thinking too about the concerns we have over officiating and coming up with the we are concerned for the partiality of the calls in such an important and emotionally charged game right josh great way to describe it is it not absolutely (laughs) a little concerned about that but I saw something from earlier that I wanted to get to that I I think I've waited until people would say it's not like sour grapes or anything. The 918 had texted us at 939 this morning and said, just want us to not overshadow LV Bunkley Shelton after the Kansas game. He was amazing. Not trying to be an old school tough guy, but I would have choke slammed that dude Undertaker style. Guys, gals, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear. Somebody's about to get really, really hurt in one of those field-storming situations. And I don't mean some dope busting their ankle when they jump down or getting run over. There is – Yeah, somebody's going to get clocked. Somebody is going to get really hurt. And administrators or ADs – our game ops, or somebody's going to have to do something about it. That was, I have been a part now. Well, everyone stormed the field after they beat us last year, right? Stormed the field. Um, and, and West Virginia was a little bit minimized because of the weather. They did in Lubbock. They did at Fort Worth. But Fort Worth was pretty bad. But Kansas was, like, over the top. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're not going to do anything. You suck. You And you guys saw the video with L.B. Bunkley Shelton, right? So I don't – we had the incident last year that nothing came of 
where the Texas Tech kid, right, went and knocked over some, and nobody, nothing's happened from that. We hear about people getting um, fined, which is fine. And, and I want to be real clear. I, have, I think storm, field storming is awesome. I think it's part of the game. When you lose and your team wins and it's a it's an upset win, do it. That was one of the biggest wins Kansas has ever had in, in outside of a championship in basketball. But, Josh, I'm here to tell you right now, there are something bad is going to happen unless some sort of handle is getting is 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 taken care of here. I don't know the best way to put it, but yeah, when I, you have what, I mean, do you, te- what do you do? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just telling you right now the aggressive nature of how these these young men and women are when they're storming the field is literally you're going to get knocked out. I, I I'm just I don't know how some of these people maintain their calm. I mean, I'm walking off the field at the TCU game last year, Josh, and I'm the radio guy. I have headphones on, and I have some hammered girl with her phone out, and she's got it right in my face, and she's just yelling, F you, you effing suck. You're you're the one. I'm like, I, I just and I just ignore it. You got that guy that's right in L.B. Bunkley Shelton's face. You got the dude that's messing with Caleb Williams from earlier this year. Feel how you want about all of those situations, but in the end, it's just it's not going to end well for somebody. No, no. it's not going to end well. It's almost as if I think they should allow opposing teams to knock someone out that runs on the field and gets in their face. You storm the field at your own risk, and if you do and you decide to get in someone's face, and you get knocked out, oh, well. Oh, well. I mean, I know that's not going to happen in our soft society, but it's almost as if, what was the Mike Tyson line that uh, Parker used yesterday? People are getting too comfortable behind a keyboard. Um, But it's almost as if whenever fans start storming the field, it's like they've received one of the stones and they are no longer – no one can hurt them. It's Im- immunity. It, they, yeah, thank you. They receive the immunity stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, the unfortunate thing is, in this version of Survivor, you could still get knocked the you-know-what out. Right. So I really, really appreciate that text, and I've been wanting to talk about it for a few days. But just from, from my very, I guess you could say, minimal role in those types of situations – Somebody's going to get hurt. It honestly is amazing that we've not had more altercations. Like, Kansas has been on both ends of this, right? Mm -hmm. KU fans all the way back, and I'm sure there's other examples, but they would have been upset, right? And and we're upset that Jamari Trailer, what, got bumped into by the K-State student, yet now you reverse the situation here, and guess what? KU fans aren't so great either. It's it's every fan base. It's drunken, drunken college kids. Or adults, in some instances, right. that you, you get them too close to these athletes and coaches, and somebody acts a fool when they've had too much. And right. it's, it's amazing that, uh, yeah, we haven't had more instances where it raises to physical violence. Right. But it's somebody off the that nine way said, remember, LeGarrette Blunt did it at Oregon, and everyone went nuts. Yeah, but LeGarrette Blunt punched another player. Yeah. Well, he didn't he swing up. the helmet? <laughs> no, he swung back around, he swung a fist. And he punched another player. He punched a Boise. It was Oregon, Boise State, and he punched a player. So that was that was a little different. But I'm just 
I'm not advocating for violence. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. But And I understand there is a certain part of, well, you know, you lost, so you got to take your L. There's a major difference in taking an L and then someone in your face F-bombing you, telling you you suck, telling you about your mama and all those other things. I saw it all, bro. I'm not even kidding. All right, quick break. We'll put a wrap on the Plank Show next right here on The Ref. Real quick, I had two non-OU things for our Primrose Funeral Services final thoughts. PrimroseFuneralServices.com. That website is fantastic. It will help you in planning ahead. Maybe someone has entered hospice and you're starting to prepare for it. Incredible people. Plan ahead and save now. PrimroseFuneralServices.com. They have a deal right now we can get up to uh, 10% off pro- cemetery property, too. So check it out, primrosefuneralservices.com. Number one, have you heard the latest Bill Belichick rumor, Josh Helmer? Talk to me. No, I don't think so. The Washington Commanders will trade for Bill Belichick at the end of this season. Oh, wow. <laughs> I kind of buy it. Now, listen, it took a couple first-round picks to get John Gruden for the Bucks. I don't know if Washington's going to be willing to trade first-round picks, but that's out there, though it would be worth it. And number two, you wonder, well, why would they have a call when we're talking about the sign-stealing incident? Why are these coaches acting so outraged all of a sudden when this has been going on for a while? Well, according to Ralph Russo this morning, the college football playoff committee punting on the situation, saying that it was an NCAA issue and not a college football playoff issue, it's a football issue, was the point from the coaches. So that's why this has been ratcheted up a little bit stronger. I think they want him to try to be left out of the playoffs. So there's a couple final thoughts for you. We'll continue to dig on Danny Stutzman and uh, Tawi Walker. Meanwhile, Steel Man and Thune at noon back and better than ever. Coming up next here from Cavens on the Ref.